Hello and welcome everyone to episode one of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast and I'm going to be your host. My name is Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And before we get started, I need to give a special thanks to Fantasy Sports Gaming Network and Age of Radio for the opportunity. Now, a little bit about this podcast. This podcast is a fantasy, is fantasy baseball related. So some general baseball topics will be discussed, you know, rule changes, signings, call-ups, but all of which will have a fantasy twist because I'm going to explain and discuss how they affect us both positively, positively or negatively. We will discuss a wide array of subjects as well. We will cover shallow leagues as well as cater to deeper formats. A friend of mine, Zach, will co-host on occasion, and he will be the minor league guy. Everyone needs one of those, so you can follow him at Zach Waxman on Twitter. He actually writes for fake teams. So dynasty and minor league discussions will occur for those who are seeking some extra information on those because let's be honest if you're into those there's no if you're into those types of leagues there's never enough information so that's where zach helps and comes in i personally take part in all types of leagues including some of those dynasty leagues some some shallower 12 team mixed leagues mostly roto and head-to-head categories but i still discuss points leagues and such i'm looking forward to this year and can't wait to start discussing baseball because for anybody who knows me knows i've been waiting to do this for a long time and (laughs) I'm so thankful for this opportunity. I'm really glad I have the chance to do this. So without further ado, we're going to get into our first episode here, which covers sleepers, breakouts, and busts. But before, actually before we get to that, because, you know, Machado decides he wants to sign as I'm trying to put this all together and record. We're just going to talk about that a little bit. A quick thing, quick, a quick look at Machado. I'm just, I looked at his uh, previous years at Petco and he has, I think, four at-bats there back when he got traded at the Dodgers. So his, his obviously, there's not enough playing time there to really discuss an impact on him to know what type of history he has there or anything. The park as a whole for right-handed hitters is pretty neutral with a slight edge to pitching. And there's, the lineup is all right. I mean, you have, you have Kinsler, Hosmer, Myers, Urias, and Renfro. Not sure exactly how the lineup's going to go. you got to figure Machado bats second or third. So with, with the park factors being slightly in pitcher's favor, you got to peg him for a few less home runs, which equals a few less counting stats as a whole, and maybe knock him down a couple uh, spots in the rankings. I mean, his cur- currently his ADP on NFBC is 15.28. I'd say closer to 18 to 20 will probably occur now. I personally have like players like Harper, and now Ju- Judge is like one of the names where I'd move Judge ahead of him. Bias has already been lower than him. We'll get to that later, I guess. But um, overall, the move isn't terrible for Machado. And that team does seem like it, you know, it has Tatis coming up. It has a whole bunch of pitching. It's a whole other thing. So Machado, like I said, long-term, should be all right. Not, not a terrible move. Not as bad as most people think. But not great either. Pretty indifferent. All right. Well, that's Machado. Not person not that much of a fan of him anyways. Kind of a jerk. That's regardless of it. All right, so let's get started on. Let's get started on. We'll start with busts. My, I classify busts as anybody basically being taken out um, inside the top seventy-five or eighty picks or roughly seventy-five. That I think when the year is said and done, they're gonna fall outside the top seventy-five, or even top hundred. I'm just completely not that I'm out on these guys, but I don't take them where they're drafted. Everybody has a value. Everybody has a spot I would take them. Just these guys, where they're being taken, I'm just, I'm, I'm far off and far out on them. 
the first one comes in, the first bust on my list is Kenley Jansen. He has an ADP on NFBC of 76.39. Now, the way I sort out the ADP on NFBC is he uh, is I just changed the date starting January 1st to now and everything else stays the same. Because if you start picking main event versus other other uh, online versus whatever, it changes up slightly. There's a slight variance. So this is just I feel like this is all encompassing, and it's rel- and they're all relatively similar. You won't get much difference depending on how you change it. So he's the number four RP off the board, and I just can't do it. There's players like Brad Hand at eighty-seven point oh eight, Vasquez at ninety-two point five one. And Leclerc at 120.56. These are ADPs. All three of those I personally have ahead of Jansen. Jansen's 31 years old. He's on the wrong side of 30. He's coming off heart surgery. And, I mean, any athlete who's had heart surgery, no matter how minor it is, just something – I mean, it's not something you exactly – like, it's those confidence. He's coming off another deep run into the playoffs. But here's the part that really – when I dove into him a little bit, here's the part that really – with some red flags here. His K per nine from 2017 to 2018 decreased from 14.36 to 10.30. That's a huge decrease in K per nine. And for a relief pitcher, you want somebody who's going to strike out a good amount of people and have a high K per nine. His walk per nine from 2017 to 2018 actually increased astronomically as well. His walk per nine went up from 0.92 in 2017 to 2.13 in 2018. That is... That's absurd. That is crazy. But I guess it makes sense because it's all in line because his home run per nine also went up from 0.66 in 2017 to 1.63 in 2018. All that being said, again, he has a price. He's still in my top 10 relief pitchers. You know, he had a couple rough months in between a couple solid months. It just seemed – and then just, again, I think a lot of it's the age coupled with coming off the heart surgery coupled with the decrease in numbers. It's just – he's going to go through decline. It's just a matter of when, not if. And I think this year he's going to, he might decline further or stay the same, but either way, he's not a top four relief pitcher. He's, I think he'll be lucky to crack the top 100. And that's why he makes this list. Next I'd like to discuss is uh, James Paxton. His ADP is 56.35. Now Paxton, again, I used to be, I was a big Paxton guy last year. I was all over him, drafting him everywhere I could or just about. But then he started getting priced up a little bit, and I let him go some places. This year, he's the 16th starting pitcher off the board. And guys behind him that in the same relative area that I just love include Tyone, Clevenger, and even Strasburg, who has similar issues. Strasburg is also on the wrong side of 30. Strasburg also has the injury history and whatnot. But a lot of it between those two is that Strasburg has the better – not better team, but he has the – and the division's not even easier. It's just the better ballparks. Paxton, not only is he an injury risk, he pitched 160 innings last year, and that was by far his career high. By far. Like 30 innings, I think 130 was probably the next highest after that. His home run to five ball rate is what's, is what's worrisome. From 2017 to 2018, it nearly doubled from 7.8 to 14 point something or other. And now he goes from a pitcher's park in Seattle. He has to pitch in Yankee Stadium, which is the second best, which is like in as far as ranks for home runs. Yankee Stadium is the second best home run, uh, park for home runs, followed by Camden Camden Yards at sixth. 
Rogers Stadium at 15th and Fenway at 18th. So these are the these are four of the top 20, two of which are in the top six of a uh, home run of parks for for hitting home runs. That's uh that's not good for somebody who's literally given up 1.29 home runs per nine, which is above league average, and also he has a 14.4 percent home run to fly ball percentage, which is again about just under two points, just under two points above league average as well. You couple that with injury history, you couple and uh, and just park factors, and not to mention any struggle of Paxton. He could struggle in the fourth. That bullpen is so deep. He won't. He'll be. He has a. He has a very very tight leash. He won't be given wiggle room to improve or to get out of a jam as much because they don't need him to. They have what five relievers I can think of off the top of my head that could all come in and just be lights out. So Paxton. Not gonna, be, not gonna be. I won't have many shares of him this year, strictly because of where he's going. Again, everyone has a price, but Paxton's price is just a little too high considering those three pitchers I named that I prefer over him. Next on this list is Vlad. I know he's everyone's shiny new toy, everyone's favorite prospect, favorite everything. He's like the golden child. You can't go wrong, right? Well, I agree to a point, but with his ADP of forty-one point six three. You're passing on players like Rendon, Chris Davis, Kreas, and Springer. My big thing about Vlad isn't the skill set. He looks like a legit hitter. He looks like he's going to be a stud. And I can see him being a first-round pick. It's just this year, specifically in 2018 redrafts, you're taking him round four-ish. Some people, I've seen him as high as round three in some of my drafts. You had, it's the, I mean, now the Blue Jays have confirmed it, so maybe you'll see some correction in his ADP. But he already has an unknown downtime. I mean, maybe I could, maybe somebody will do the math and we'll be able to figure out who exactly or when exactly he's supposed to be coming up. I mean, what we're talking a month, and that's like I think a minimum. What if he struggles? I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but there was a video of him walking out of a room recently, and man, he looked like more like Miguel Sano than anything, and that's that's worrisome from a 19-year-old kid or 20-year-old, I think he is now. He's coming into he's coming into spring training with what appears to be an out-of-shape body, and he's not supposed to be a dh he needs to be in shape and he needs to be able to play third or at least first because i mean nobody wants i mean as great as he is of a hitter to tie up a 20 year old as your dh versus actually getting some fielding out of him that seems a little a little bit of a stretch that's why even like willie calhoun types guys who have the hit tool aren't getting the opportunity to play as much because they don't have a position and like i said long term i absolutely love him absolutely love Vlad. I think he's legit. I think the hit tool is real. There's a reason why it's 80 grade and the first time ever it's been 80 grade. But then, oh, but then there's the argument. Well, you could just draft another third baseman to ride out, you know, as a replacement level, just to ride out that month or month and a half, whatever it is. Sure, you could. But then comes the issue of taking up the extra roster spot. And anybody who plays fantasy knows those extra, those roster spots are very valuable. You have to, I mean, you could be holding on to a Brian Anderson type or Candelario, which are okay. Candelario, I actually like as kind of a deep sleeper this year, but it's still hinder. It's still a hindrance because it's one less spot you get to turn and burn, one less spot you get to play with. And I don't know about you, but I like having as many open roster spots as possible to be able to add the next big thing. Because what if you miss out on this year's Jed Lowry, which I had, I had a lot of Jed Lowry last year, and it works out. I mean, he fell off a little bit towards the end, but. I mean, you you wrote him out for his hot streak, or for majority of the year, I should say. He had a heck of a year, and that roster spot that you, you're taking up 
to field a replacement level at best third baseman for that month and a half could cost you a league winner potentially, or at least a, somebody who can give you a huge, bu- a huge boost in some standings of some sort. I'm just more likely to take, like I said, a Rendon or Springer type. I mean, those guys go later, so but definitely Rend- Rendon's the, easily the guy I take over him. You're getting a, a solid floor, known playing time on a pretty damn good team too. All right, last bust. Now this one, it's really hit or miss at whoever you whoever you talk to, whoever you want to listen to. It's my my top bust is uh, Alberto Mondesi. His ADP is forty two point four two. He's above the same guys, the Rendones, the Bogarts, the Correa, Fam, Segura, and you know these are deep, these are deeper. Like Fam and Segura go a little later as as it is, but my point is I find them to be safer floors. Guys, you know what you're gonna get, and I guess I get. I guess a big thing for me is just I'm risk. I'm pretty risk adverse that early. Pretty risk adverse. I mean, with Mondesi though, there's just so much that can go wrong. He has his O swing, 37.1 is above league average. Z swing, 79.3 is above league average. Swing percentage is 59.9, which is also above league average. Z contact is below league average. Contact percentage is below league average. I guess it's a very fancy way of saying he just swings at everything, has a lot of swing and miss in his game, and is willing to chase a ton. His walk rate last year was 3.8, I believe it was. His home run, his his home run to fly ball percentage was 19.7. Just to give you an idea of how good that is, it was better than Edwin Encarnacion, uh, Matt Carpenter, and Travis Shaw, all of which we expect to hit way more home runs. And uh, and his line drive percentage was the same as Bogarts and Betts. So I just can't. So all these numbers, in my opinion, are due to regress. He's he's given pitches in the home in the zone to hit, and when he gets a hold of them, he does pretty well. You know, he gets a good line drive rate. He gets the ball up in the air. So that's why the twenty home run. That's why you get the twenty home run. The twenty home run projections. But with his with his aggressive nature at the plate and willingness to swing at pitches outside the zone, I don't see why any pitcher will or should even challenge him. Make him show he can take a walk. Combined with the amount of swing and miss and potential, there's just too much there that can go wrong. And yeah, oh, but he can go twenty and sixty. Yeah, and so did VR. And look where he's at. Which, by the way, you can get VR thirty five picks later roughly and you're getting a guy who's who could be project, who's projected between 11 and 15 home runs and as low as 23 stolen bases which the only way I see him getting that low is if he's benched for some reason which he plays for a team who has no reason to bench him he plays for the Orioles and his high the the bat projection system projects him for 32 stolen bases whereas you have Mondesi because stolen bases the, it's the power speed combination people are like oh well that upside that upside yeah you could chase that upside but if you if you if you miss, man, he's gonna be one tough one to recover from because he is your stolen base guy. He's your D Gordon this year. He's the guy that if he falls short, you probably didn't prepare yourself properly behind him with enough stolen bases to carry you. Now in points leagues, I'm not touching him there at all. I can almost understand it in roto leagues, like five by five with average, because his speed is so elite that his bad bit will sustain high levels. That OBP though, he's projected. He's projected. Oh yeah, he's projected a 286 OBP from the bat and projected a 298 OBP from Steamer. I mean, that's that's about 15 or 18 points below league average on OBP, and that seems to be about the type of guy he is. Because again, it goes back to all those numbers I listed that he's just willing to chase and willing to swing and miss, and willing to. He's just very aggressive, and this year 
all those speed first guys, all those guys that you had to draft in the third through fifth round last year, the D Gordons, the uh, name's escaping me here, the Billy Hamiltons, they're way else. Like D Gordon has an ADP of 111.62. You have Billy, Billy Hamilton after that. Well, because of that this year, I feel, I mean, it just, for me, it makes sense. Why would you take a, a chance on a Mondesi who, if he hits, sure, first round value, I get it. That's if he hit that as peak. That's if he gets you those 20 and 60 or 20 and 50. Realistically, it could be 18 and 32. And speedsters in general are more prone to get hurt just by, because of soft tissue injuries. You have the hamstrings, you have the groin, you have the calves, you have the jammed thumbs when they slide. You have just so much. I mean, I never project for injury. I'm just saying, I'm just speaking from experience. Speedsters of all kinds, especially ones that primarily uh, utilize their speed, are always getting hurt. See AJ Pollock. <laughs> great, great fantasy player, but the guy can't stay on the dang field. And I'm not saying, and Mondesi's only 22 or 23, so if he struggles as mightily as some of these numbers suggest he could, I'm not saying he'll be benched, but I think, I mean, he's about 23 years old, 22 years old. He could be put back in the minors for some, for some tuning up just to get his confidence back, just to get maybe his swing under, under, in order. Because the guy, I don't see any reason why a pitcher would pitch to him. There's no reason to give the guy a strike when he's swing, willing to swing so much at, at stuff outside the zone. And then, like I said, going back to these uh, speedsters, the, what's, what people call rabbits because they, they're just known to run, you can get the D. Gordons and the Billy Hamilton types this year so late that it actually makes more sense. to You could build such a solid team, such a solid core, in order to prevent, in order to kind of minimize the damage that you're going to take on from them because a lot of them will kill you in a batting average will be lackluster in runs in RBI. And I'm fully aware of that. But if you're going to, if you pass on a Mondesi and you, again, you get a, a Rendon, a Bogarts, a Correa, one of those, those three guys, they're going to set you up so solid in runs, home runs, RBI and batting average. And then you keep building on that. You'll have like, by the time you have to take a D Gordon or even a VR, a Villa, a VR in, um, you get to take a VR, and he doesn't even kill your batting average. It's similar to Mondesi's with a better on-base percentage, which for me, when it comes to these speedsters, OBP is huge because that means they're on base more, which means there's more opportunity to run. And VR was not shy about running last year in Baltimore. And I get it. I just Maybe it's because I value them similarly that it drives me nuts to see such a wide gap in ADP when I, should, when I think I could see them being pretty much – they should be relatively back-to-back. And, heck, I, I'm not anti-Mondesi. I, I actually utilized him and ha- I actually rode him to a few uh, championships and a few place, a few, a few leagues where I got a chance to place and such. I had him there for stolen bases, and he was all around just solid. But it's, it's the price. You're paying for ceiling for, while forgetting about the floor, and the floor is literally back in the minors because, I mean, yeah, they, they should give him every chance to succeed, no doubt, but it doesn't mean he will. And let's be honest, okay, so they give him every chance to succeed. He's struggling. He's been terrible for two or three weeks. You decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit him until he gets his things right. Well, the problem is he might get right for two games while you're sitting him. You plug him back in, and he's back to being the guy that you had on the bench. It's just it's, – it could be I, – I just find – I just think it's going to be very inconsistent, a tough road, and weekly, weekly leagues, you're going you're gonna to have to stick with him in, through the good and bad just to get those steals that you're looking for. So too much risk for me, not enough reward. Or there's enough reward, but it's just for me. I feel like it's very unlikely for him to to reward you for that price. So that's gonna do it for busts. Next, we're gonna go ahead and cover. Um, we're gonna go ahead and cover breakouts. 
And you can't talk breakout without including without including Shane Bieber. I mean, I just can't be left off this bandwagon. I never thought I'd use the term I'm about to use right now in a baseball podcast or ever in general conversation, but I think I'm getting a slight case of a Bieber fever. A lot of it is very simple. You look at the Indians and you think great pitching from top to bottom usually. Not, bullpen isn't so great this year or as great as it's been in previous years, I should say. But as far as starters go, Kluber, Carrasco, Clevenger, I mean, Bieber could very well be the next guy to take that jump into the even into those tiers. Oh, Bauer. Jeez, how did I forget about Bauer? The fact that Bieber is in a rotation with those with those guys, I feel like he can only improve, and obviously the, the system there works. Now, the one thing that stood out to me was, oh, he had a 455 ERA. Well, his FIP and his XFIP tell a different story. His FIP of 3.23 and XFIP of 3.30 suggests that there was a lot of bad luck and misfortune that, that went his way. Another odd thing I found was were his home road splits. For some reason, he struggled at home and was pretty dang good on the road. You got to think some of that corrects itself just from another, just from a full um, full spring training, a full off season of prep. His home numbers should come down, and it's not like he pitches at Yankee Stadium. He pitches in a rather slightly above average park for hitters. Nothing special. You're not. He's not pitching Camden Yards or Yankee Stadium or anything. And also, you're ta- look at that division. If there was ever a chance to get better, that division will definitely help you. It'll it'll definitely help you gain your confidence and improve as a as a pitcher as a whole. Because he struggled mightily at home and versus lefties, both of which can be something he's probably working on this this offseason. He's probably well aware, and I would guess he, he's addressing it. With that said, I see nothing nothing but a ceiling for this guy. I mean, his ADP, i got to find it now. His ADP is 155.72, according to NFBC. And he's going behind you, Darvish, Cole Hamels, Jay Happ, Archer, Carmart, which Carmart's about to drop with the news of his shoulder. But and oh, Kyle Hendricks and I like Kyle Hendricks actually. I just see Bieber as being that guy to take a next step and actually bypass pretty much all of them. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's in our top thirty by season's end or coming in next year top twenty-five. That's just the type of upside I see with him. And just so we're clear, I'm referring to top twenty-five, top thirty at starting pitcher in particular, not overall. Before somebody comes at me at, on Twitter and decides they want to tear me apart for saying he'll be twenty top twenty-five or top thirty, I'm referring to just as a starting pitcher ranking. Just so we are clear. And next, next on the breakout list, he's a guy that I tend to favor every year. This year, I feel like he's criminally undervalued, and he's gonna break out again, <laughs> and probably be back to being a top sixty seventy-five pick next year overall in my estimation, and that's Will Myers. He's currently at an ADP of 109.66. What I don't understand is why he's so low. In a day and age where speed is so valuable, why wouldn't you want a guy who can steal you 20 bags and not and give you everything else? He could provide every other stat, every other category, and batting average isn't terrible. This year on Roster Resource, they have him batting cleanup behind Machado, Kinsler, and Hosmer, all of which have solid OBPs, all of which will get on base plenty. That should provide him the best chance for RBIs that he's had since he's been there. You're talking about a guy batting cleanup behind three guys that will likely be on base most most more times than not ahead of him. Not to mention he's third base and off-field eligible. You're getting a guy who can play multiple, multiple positions, offers you legitimate 2020 upside, and he's being drafted outside the top 100. It doesn't make any sense to me. 
outside of OBP, I can't think of much of a difference between him and Fam. And Fam's going way sooner. People are like, oh well, he's injury prone. He's had his moments. I, I admit that. But he he played he he played 157 games in 2016 and 155 games in 2017. So staying healthy for a year isn't as far fetched as people think. In 2016, he posted 28 home runs and 28 steals, and in 2017, he threw he put up 30 home runs and 20 steals. So from a healthy Myers and a better lineup, you could be looking at a 2015 floor minimum. That's his floor, with with 30 20 upside or better with on the steals end. He's a huge value where you're getting him. I expect him to return to form and be a top 75 player, where basically where I feel like he belongs. And now I move on to the final guy on my, my breakout list, Michael Conforto. Man, I was all over him last year, and the first half was disappointing. Right now, he's going at 107.08. I think a lot of people are looking at last year's numbers as a whole, and they forget that he started off last year coming off, I believe, that shoulder injury. And instead of rehabbing and going through a minor league stint, he just straight up played (laughs) and he played through it and there was growing pains and getting back into baseball shape. And it showed his first half was rough to say the least. And we should have known he needed time to get right. I mean, Conforto, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's a top 50 to top 60 guy this time next year. So his first half compared to second half, Completely support the idea that he was just getting right the first half from that from that injury. In the first half of last year, in 85 games, he hit 216 with an OBP of 344 and a slugging of 366. And then the second half came. He got, he got right. He got healthy. In, in just 68 games, he hit 17 home runs, 52 RBIs, batted 273 with an OBP of 356 and a slugging of 539. What that suggests is that the first half, he really was – getting right he really was getting healthy and I mean he played 17 less games in the second half he had six more home runs 22 more RBIs and his batting average was 57 points higher and then let's not forget to mention that his walk rate is 13.2 percent so we could break down Conforto a little bit his O swing is 27.6 percent his Z swing is 62 percent and his overall swing percentage is 43.2 percent all of which were below league average You have a walk percentage of 13.2%, which is well above league average of 8.5%. Basically, what I gather is he's a very patient and selective hitter. He won't chase and he won't just swing at any pitch, even if it's in the strike zone. You put all that together, you have yourself a hell of a hitter. I don't have enough shares of him as it is. I'm definitely going to be aiming for him going forward. And I think next year, like I said, you're going to see him. You're going to see him top 50 to top 60. And I feel pretty good about that. It's probably, it's probably, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a, bold take or anything, but I feel like people aren't on Conforto like they should be this year. And that's going to do it for breakouts. Now it's time to discuss everybody's favorite topic, sleepers. And today I have three of them for you. The first one I'm going to discuss is Cattell Marte. With an ADP of 221.83, there's little risk, a lot of reward. He's projected to hit leadoff per roster resource for a team that has nothing to lose. The great thing about Cattell Marte is that he is going to be eligible in the outfield, second base, and shortstop come the start of the year. Now, I've read reports where he's going to be bounced around. It's probably keep the, the multi-position eligibility throughout the season and add to it. You can't really go wrong with that. I mean, it's going to do nothing but help you. And, I mean, the types of leagues that he's going to be rostered in anyway, you take him for the, you take him for the upside and you take him for the eligibility. Most shallow leagues, he'll be on the wire most of the year. You might stream him here and there if he's having a hot week. But 
anything with like a middle infield position or five outfielders, you could do way worse. Marte is tied for 17th in sprint speed. A few names he's above are Kane, Pham, Nimmo, Lindor, and Benatendi, all guys that steal 20-plus bags. Nimmo, not quite. So you're talking about a guy who has a career high of 11 steals but has sprint speed above other guys that get about 20 a season. I think 20 stolen bases are a legit possibility, mostly because of the fact that this team is going to have to manufacture runs somehow because we all know they've sold they sold off everything worth a damn and they're playing for the draft last year Marte hit 14 home runs and stole six bags and that wasn't 520 at bats you gotta think if he stays leading off all year he's getting 600 plus at bats he only attempted seven stolen bases so six out of seven it's a hell of a success rate and five of his seven attempts came in the second half so between batting lead off and the team needing to manufacture runs and he has solid sprint speed Twice on basis shouldn't be something that can't be obtained. Now, realistically, I think 15-15 is his, like, ceiling, and which is, I mean, we, anybody would take that, especially in a middle infield position or fifth alpha position. I think he'll be okay in runs and average. RBI, he's not going to be able to – there's not going to be anybody on base from ever hit in. He does have sneaky 10 to 15 home run pop. Like I said, last year alone he hit 14, and he's not a power guy at all, so – I'd say maybe at best we're talking 50, a 15 home run, 20 stolen base season, and that's that would be that's I don't see that exactly happening. I'd more likely to be around 10, 10 or 12, 12 type of season, which is definitely serviceable, especially again where where he's being utilized as either a bench player, a streamer, an injury fill in, middle infield position, fifth outfielder, and if and if it doesn't work out, you can cut him because of where he's being drafted. So. Marte is definitely a guy I'm personally drafting plenty of, and I would definitely recommend him to anybody who's, like I said, playing deep enough leagues to actually roster him. The next guy on my sleeper list is actually another middle infielder, and this one's going at an ADP of 214.13, and that's Jorge Polanco. Jorge Polanco in 2017, in just 133 games, had 60 runs, 13 home runs, 74 RBIs, 13 stolen bases, and a triple slash of 256, 313, and 410. He was being drafted pretty decently last year, and then the news came down that he got, you know, he got caught with PEDs. Well, he had to serve his suspension. He came back from suspension and hit six home runs and stole seven bases in just 77 games. And not to mention, he's actually projected to be the leadoff hitter for this Twins team which doesn't project to have a bad lineup, surprisingly. So we're talking about a guy with decent on-base skills who has at least 13 stolen base upside. So we're talking about if he, in only 133 games, a little over 500 at-bats, he stole 13 bags. He, you can easily peg him for 15 to 17 steal season with full-time at-bats from the leadoff spot. Like If he went 15-15 or 15-17 with, with, with roughly 80 to 90 runs and maybe 70 RBIs, did that really surprise anybody? I mean, the team is decent all the way around, the, all the way up and down the lineup. He's he's hitting leadoff again. He's just he's just another option that you can either if you're waiting on shortstop, you could do way worse. Basically, I'm just all about getting power speed combos this late that aren't going to kill you in batting average. Sneak in, like I said, if he if he hits that that 15 15 or that 15 17 type of ceiling he has, or outproduces what I expect, then he's not only not only is he going to be a steal but he's going to be a top 150 type of guy next year, which, again, wouldn't surprise me based on some of these numbers that we're looking at here. So that's Jorge Polanco. 
my final sleeper is a guy that I've been targeting a lot lately, and I've been getting him, is Josh Bell. He's by far one of my favorite late first base targets. And first base this year, as we all know, is pretty top. It's like thin at the top, and then there's just the same players from like fourth overall to 20th, it feels like. His ADP is actually 256.65, and I think he's the 26th first baseman taken. He had that 26 home run season in 2017, and I know he only had 12 last year. And realistically, the truth lies in between. I could, I would expect the 18 to 22 type of home run season. So along with the power, I expect to come back. He improved an already impressive walk and K rate. His walk rate went from 10.6% up to 13.2% from 2017 to 2018. And his K rate went from 18.9% down to 17.8%. What that tells me is that is he he has a legit approach to the plate, doesn't just swing at anything, and he's willing to take a walk, willing to wait, wait it out to get his pitch. Bell kind of struggled down the stretch last year, and that was until the final 21 games. In the final 21 games of the season, he hit 301 with a 961 OPS, four home runs, and more walks and strikeouts. Apparently, Bell went back to the basics of his approach for the final stretch of the season. He's known for tinkering with the stance and approach, but went back to what got him to the majors late last year. And with that change came success. I expect him to build on it and essentially move out of the sleeper section and into a pot and into possibly even break. He might even break out into a, again, another top 150 type of guy, maybe a top 12 at the position by the season's end. Well, that's it guys. My first podcast in the books. A special thank you to the FSGN Network and Age of Radio for giving me the chance and opportunity. Special thanks to a couple friends of mine that really pushed me to do this. This is just the first of many, so please be a little patient while I get through some of these growing pains. I hope you found some of this information very useful, and I look forward to uh, providing more content in the future. Talk to you later, guys.